You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How is everybody doing? Locked On Browns, episode 139, Draft Wednesdays of the Locked On Browns. Brought to you by Draft.com. Uh, we're here joined tonight. Uh, I've been trying to branch out and get more people on, and you know, some suggestions came this way. And what we got for today was for Samantha Bunton from uh, NBCSports.com, uh, longtime Clevelander, you know, now uh, located out of uh, New York, working over at NBCSports.com. Samantha, how are you doing this evening? Doing pretty good. Just got to stay warm. How about you, Dad? How you doing? Uh, it's it's terrible. I hate this time of year uh, and the fact that it's only going to be you know twenties for the next week or so only makes things worse. Uh, the even worse part, I mean, look, it, it could be Erie, Pennsylvania, where you're looking at uh, 60 inches of snow on the ground. So I guess we'll take what we can get and not complain about it, right? <laughs> true, true. I saw that and cringed. Yeah, and then you know they're on pace for 100 inches of snow in one calendar month. Are you kidding me? Good God, that is absolutely insane. Uh, for oh. the people out there, I mean, guys, I hope you're warm. I hope you got food. And uh, look, uh, you know, I'll do my best. I'll give you guys lots of podcasts that you can listen to out there. Uh, Samantha, uh, here we are, 0-15. Uh, now we're looking at a head coach with a record of 1-31. Uh, the GM of this regime has already been moved on from. Uh, you know, Definitely a bit of a question mark because I think the product on the field is better than the man driving the bus of said product. Uh, but, you know, here you are. I know, you know, this is a team that you've been around your whole life. What are some thoughts you have here? You know, obviously, as we're looking at a week 16 Pittsburgh week where you're hopefully trying to salvage at least a win out of it and probably the worst opponent, you know, you could have to do it. Yeah, I mean, this is it doesn't bode well um, to go get that one win. And I, I certainly hope that they do. And there's obviously a chance here, Mike Tomlin being a little bit coy about whether or not he's going to play his starters or not. I mean, I realize the joke that it may not matter if they play the starters is perhaps truer than we would like it to be in this situation. <laughs> but um, I guess for me, I just kind of want this season to be over. Um, I think, like you said, I think that there's more there than the results indicate. And certainly I think that if there were to be a change at the head coaching position, as I expect there to be, as there better be, that, that things will improve. Um, but it's, we hear that every year, you know, as, as Browns fans. And it's a little bit, of course, frustrating as usual to, you know, we keep saying this is rock bottom, this is rock bottom, and, and here we are at 0-15. And, and, and now we're, are we really at rock bottom? I, I guess we'll know in a week. <laughs> and, well, that's the thing. I mean, you look at this, and now Jimmy Haslam, who is a successful, you know, businessman, you know, this is almost the equivalent of, a, you know, whoever works for you. I mean, the guy that cleans your bathroom, he gets the job done right once out of, 32 times is he going to keep his job you know why do you choose you know which guy it's okay to have absolute you know a terrible terrible resume as an employee to you but for some reason he gets to stay you know that's the mind-boggling thing and that seems to be every Browns fans question uh I guess maybe we'll go here um I think we'll start on the defensive side of the ball because that seems to be the, the spot that some people were you know, happy with you know, Miles Garrett, a lot of young guys there, the defensive line. Give me some thoughts on what you saw on the defensive side of the ball this year. Well, certainly I think the potential is there. Um, I guess what's frustrating about it is, as you said, you know, this was supposed to be the stronger component of this team, and it's still really struggling. So, obviously, you, know, you bring in a guy like Greg Williams, somebody who I really, really liked when he was in New Orleans, and you think you're going to get a miracle fix. And, and it doesn't work that way, and we should all know better, of course, that that's not how that's going to go. Still missing a lot of pieces. I, I think they made 
some mistakes in how they handled the defense. But I also think that there's some good stuff there. And a lot of it is, I think it's going to depend on, you know, like you said, you've got a lot of young players there, a lot of people, a lot of potential, but who are a little bit raw. And then, of course, we have injury issues as well with Garrett, which I know is making a lot of people crazy. I'm not sure. I think it's as big of a deal as it's being made out to be, but impossible to say right now. Certainly, I think the potential is there and a little bit on the fence in terms of, you know, if they were to fire the head coach and most likely a a new person would want to bring in their own staff. But if Greg Williams were to be retained, am I okay with that? I I think I am, but obviously not the results we were expecting here. But at the same time, it's certainly far from the biggest problem that I think this team has. Yeah, and the question is, you know, obviously the play has faded a little bit down the end here. But you wonder, you know, how motivated these defensive guys are, knowing the fact that the offense cannot score enough points for them to secure a victory. And that obviously you add in some key injuries, and that's where you end up with the position that you're in here. Uh, offensively, uh, they ended up starting Deshaun Kaiser, who probably at the time was the most talented quarterback on the roster, but was very young, came from a bad situation at Notre Dame. And, and the poor guy, he struggled, and he struggled mightily, Samantha. Yeah, and I, I really feel for the guy. I mean, came out of, as you said, absolutely awful situation, which his coach essentially threw him under the bus. And then he finds himself immediately upon being drafted into the NFL on another team where his head coach would, again, eventually throw him under the bus to save his own skin. So I, I feel badly for him. I, I'm a Kaiser fan still. I think he has some potential, and that is not to say, of course, that I don't think they should try to draft another quarterback. But you have to wonder if they had approached this differently, if they had tried to, let's say, retain Josh McCown's services, looked at Kaiser truly as a backup. I realize if somebody gets injured, there's nothing you can do. you got to put him out there anyway. And, and as you said, he was, you know, at that point, the most talented guy on the roster. But he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. He also doesn't have the people around him. You're talking about a very overrated offensive line that hasn't performed anywhere near what the money indicates that it should. No help at all from the receiving core. And maybe most importantly, atrociously bad play calling that has put him in a position where it's very, very difficult to succeed, especially not just as a young guy, as a rookie, but as somebody who coming out of the draft knew was rawer than, say, some quarterbacks coming out of the draft who start in their first year. Uh, I do agree. Did you happen to catch uh, Duke Johnson talking with the reporters today? I didn't. No. Uh, there's video of it up. And, uh, you know, they were at, literally asked him, you know, should Hugh Jackson stay? And he's physically shaking his head and at the same time, no, and, and then saying, no, 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 not my call, not my call, not my call. And I think you just got to get like a, 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 a firm grasp of kind of what every player feels, you know, his, uh, his actions there maybe spoke more louder than his words. You know, obviously you're going to take the company line, say the right thing, but that's another thing though. You look at a player like Duke, jo- Duke Johnson, he is now in his third year and his, his touches have gone progressively down each season he's he's got the ball less and less but meanwhile he was voted team mvp today it's mind-boggling yeah it's just this is the problem with with jackson it's a a play calling issue and a, a scheming issue i think to a lesser extent but really really just absolutely baffling that you know in a team that is short on talent certainly but doesn't even effectively use the talent that they do have i mean look at all you have to do i guess is look at the 
run plays versus pass plays. And before we even get specifically into Johnson, why are you not using your run game? And we watched him throw well and bust last week. Absolutely awful thing to do to your own player. I think that's the first time I've seen a head coach do that quite so egregiously um, to a player on a, about a successful play, by the way. Um, one of the few that they've had. But for a guy like Johnson, who I think, you know, he's a, a different type of running back, obviously, than Crowell and your sort of your standard grinder type. But it seems to me that they don't understand how to use him, uh, which is a shame because there's a lot of options there. Certainly, I think he's proved his worth. And like you said, you know, his touches have been going down, down, down since he got there. And it's they're wasting a good player. And that's a, another problem there. They, they just don't seem to know how to even use the talent that they do have. Yes, and it's one of the most egregious things that with about all of this. Guys, like I said, the Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Draft.com. Uh, guys, I love it. It's, you know, you set up leagues. You can do it with your friends. You can do it with people you don't know. Small money, big money. Look, this time of the year, fantasy is pretty much over. You can still play it this way. You can still play it throughout the playoffs. Uh, you know, you get to pick a roster each week. They do this snake draft style, so you're not – it's not like DraftKings and other things – you know, where you're worried about, you know, some guy having a similar lineup to you and you're competing for the money. Snake draft style, you get the guys you want. Uh, I give you the promo code, all caps, L-O-N-F-L, locked on NFL. Use that promo code. Any new users, they'll match you your first, you know, they'll give you your first three bucks for free. Uh, have a league set up now, so guys, go ahead and jump in on that. Uh, Samantha, Josh Gordon, uh, to most everybody's surprise, finally got himself back to reinstatement. It started off pretty much with a bang, I think, you know, against the Chargers. And now I think Josh Gordon's all of a sudden back into a situation of it's great to be back in football, but wow, I'm, you know, I'm still with a team that is, you know, I haven't been here in three years and this team is still looking for answers just like they were three years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange, if you look at it from Josh Gordon's perspective, it's got to be a very, very bizarre sort of encapsulation of what's gone on to miss three years nearly of football and come back and see if anything a, a situation that's worse than when he left which is frightening when you consider how bad it was at that point so it's it's hard to feel bad for josh gordon um, you know certainly he did it to himself but at the same time look at this position that he's in this is a tremendously talented player and very, very, of course, short on those on this team, especially at skill positions. And really, I mean, he's got to be frustrated too, but it's a little bit difficult, I think, to to look at it that way in terms of, oh, poor Josh Gordon. But it does make you concerned, I think, as a Browns fan for, you know, going forward. This is obviously a person who, because of the situation he's been in, team will retain his rights far longer than they would have in well, for pretty much any other player ever. But, um, you know, it's it's going to be a shame if they finally kind of get the ship righted. And we have to believe that that's eventually what they'll do because, well, why are we sticking around if we don't believe that? But is it going to be too late? Or will that be the point where Gordon, it doesn't get there quite quick enough for him to want to stay? And we lost one of the few incredibly talented players that were already in-house before we tried to do yet another rebuild. Okay, now some of the younger guys on offense, obviously David Najoku, Seth DeValve, here are some guys that have quietly done some good things, not given enough opportunities to do more. And this is the part that frustrates me. I, you know, I know Brown fans are upset, but there is, you know, like we said on defense, there is some talent in the building. There's some guys capable of making plays. It's a question of, you know, the coaching, scheming to them, and putting them in the best position to succeed. No? 
Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think this is almost exclusively about coaching. And, and certainly, you know, you mentioned a, a couple names and we could add a couple more to that list. Certainly, again, just like the defense, you know, there's a lot more talent there than, than the record indicates that really than even the individual stats indicate. But they are all, of course, victims of, I, I guess, the call on the field. So there's only so much they can do. And it's a shame because, you know, you can look at Josh Gordon and say, okay, this guy is, you know, as long as he can stay out of trouble, this is a, a marquee player and NFL star. But if you look at Joku, you look at Devald, these guys, up and comers, exactly the kind of people who you want to have on your team when you're sort of at the beginning of yet another rebuilding process, people who've shown a lot of promise, who are only going to get better, going to be with you for a while. But they're not being given the material they need to work with because the play calling has been so bad. I, you, you have to wonder if under a different coach, I mean, even, heck, pick any mediocre Browns coach in the recent past and say, hey, could they have done better? Who would these guys be under a different regime? Absolutely. Uh, now, the whole Halloween fiasco of the A.J. McCarron trade, and everybody wanted to laugh at Sashi Brown, wanted to laugh at the Browns. Well, they didn't get the paperwork in. They didn't. Uh, give me your thoughts there, because I'll be honest with you. I, I think some stuff went on behind the scenes, and Sashi Brown was the one smart enough to say, I'm going to jump on this grenade before it goes off, because this is not a move I'm signing off on. Oh, yeah. I think, um, you know, my initial reaction to it when I first heard about it was, oh, this is ridiculous. This isn't a conspiracy. You know, all oh, Browns fans, everybody always wants to turn it into something 10 times more dramatic than it really is. But when you really dug into that situation, looked at what happened there, looked at the connections with Hugh Jackson, the way Sasha Brown reacted to it, what ended up happening there. You know, I, I'm not at all a fan of, of Sashi Brown or of his approach or anything, but you can see where he was coming from. And when you start putting it all together, it looks like, oh, no, this is actually as bizarre and <laughs> sort of out there as, as we all kind of imagined that it was. I and mean, we always think that we're exaggerating because the Browns sort of breed the, a tendency toward hyperbole. But <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we actually end up living that. And I, I think that's kind of what happened there. But either way, I mean... I think we all have to be glad that trade didn't go through, regardless of why. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, and everybody was a little upset about it, and, you know, maybe it would have gotten a win or two. But you're talking about A.J. McCarron, who couldn't beat out Andy Dalton, who now Marvin Lewis is no longer going to have a job because it didn't work in Cincinnati. So you wanted to give up two picks of guys who could potentially, you know, be contributors, you know, for three, four, five years, whatever, in, in, in Cleveland for, you know, a few games worth of A.J. McCarron, and then you got to go pay him a large deal. It was, I mean, I, I don't understand why everybody just got so up in arms about it. If it was a different quarterback, a better quarterback, I could understand it. But it, it was A.J. McCarron, so that whole thing just drove me pretty much just, you know, just insane. Uh, now, Josh, Josh Rosen has uh, kind of already uh, made himself a nice little uh, following here in Cleveland. With his comments, I mean, he finally did make a comment about he wanted to be in a better position. Um, whether or not, you know, how that's going to work out. And look, I think the guy is incredible. I think he's the goods. I think you have the young guys in this locker room to lure him here. But uh, it was a big statement by the guy, the, the young kid out in L.A. about, you know, about Cleveland. Yeah, and obviously nobody likes hearing that. And it's certainly, I think, you can see why it, it upsets fans, why people get... A little bit, I guess, if nothing else, nervous um, that this will, of course, put him in a position where he decides, hey, I'm going back to school. But 
to me, it's, you know, every single kid coming out of the draft, there's going to be a team that he would rather play for than the one that's going to draft him. And it's, I mean, look at, you can look at the opposite where Mitch Trubisky came out last year and said, Hey, I want to play for the Browns. The Browns weren't interested. So I think, you know, the fact there's a big difference between you're not my first choice and I'm not willing to show up and give my all for you. And I don't think that there is any way Josh Rosen were to be drafted by the Browns. And I hope that's what happened because I really, really like him. I agree with you. I think he's got tremendous potential. I think he could make a big change for this team. I am almost positive that he would show up, do his job, give his 110% every day. Kids say stuff. And yeah, of course, he'd probably rather play for the Giants. But does that mean he's not going to show up and do what he needs to do to make the Browns more successful if they were to draft him? I, I don't think that's the case at all. And it's actually kind of funny because what's going on right now, uh, the New York Giants right now, they, they kind of look Cleveland-esque. Uh, with the Eli Apple nonsense, they've had three cornerbacks suspended this year. I mean, the injury part, I mean, just derailed the terrible season. You know, McAdoo got fired for a guy that, you know, probably wasn't ready for the big time. So it's just kind of funny. I mean, look, it can change that quick. And for him to say, oh, you know, Cleveland's not my destination. You know, that's not where I want to be. Where were the L.A. Rams 365 days ago? And I'm not just talking golf in general, but this is how quick an NFL team can turn around if you push the right buttons and you, you know, you make the right calls as an organization. Oh, definitely. I, I think, you know, to me, I think that if you are a well put together organization, you have good scouting, good coaching, you can turn a team around in two years. I mean, I'm talking from Browns level bad to not Super Bowl contender necessarily, but to respectable winning record and with the potential then to go on and do better things. And certainly, I mean, look at the Giants. They, they kind of went the other way. Um, they swept bad yep. there in a hurry. And, and all it took was Ben McAdoo, you know, just standing around saying, hey, you know, I'm going to light the match and watch everything burn. But certainly, you know, for any new player coming in, I think that it's not as awful as it appears to be to be taken by a team with the number one overall pick yes i know technically they probably are the worst team in the league unless a trade has been made but with the way that nfl teams function now and if the the front office and ownership of the browns is doing their job there is no reason this can't be a competitive team and and possibly more competitive than the giants when you look at where they're at in terms of salary in terms of the age of the roster that sort of thing they may be the better team in two years Exactly, and with 12 draft choices, with $100 million in cap space, uh, it, it comes down to a simple thing is you probably need a head coaching change, which is probably with the agents that Josh Rosen is talking with and the people advising him is probably what they're advising him to. Uh, Lockdown Steelers guy, John Ledyard, does a great job over there. I'll join him later this week. You know, We'll do uh, you know, a crossover episode between the two of us. We'll get you covered for Sunday's you know, season finale there. So uh, you know, appreciate you guys all the support and listen to John over there on Locked On Steelers. Samantha, before we let you go, what are your thoughts here going further? Uh, you know, obviously, Josh Rosen, I think, would be a huge get. You know, a lot more talent can be added, but you know, it, it, it sucks to say that every two years you need a culture change. But until you start winning, you do need a culture change. Well, right. I mean, I hear so many people, and, and I, I understand the sentiment, this whole, we just did this, I'm sick of blowing it up and starting over every two years. But what? there's not a 
better alternative. I mean, because the other option is to continue with something that already doesn't work. It's that old, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If it's not working, yeah, it's horrible to have to completely revamp the whole system every two years. But if you want a winning football team and the group that's there now is not giving you that, then you got to keep trying. And otherwise, you're just giving into it. And because we've just said and and we were talking a moment ago that you can turn a team around inside of two years. And, and certainly, I think if the team had been getting better, sure, absolutely, you give somebody more time. But when the current system clearly isn't working, I'd rather try something else, anything else. And it might be just as bad, but it can't be worse because 0-15, they can't do worse. Absolutely not. Uh, now, Samantha, I want to ask you a little bit, uh, you know, as far as, you know, the career-wise and a personal-wise, um, obviously, you know, you're in a, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the percentages are, but you were in a male-dominated, you know, work area. What is it like for you, for a female? How do you continue to work hard and have your voice? Well, I've been doing this for a, a very long time, so to tell you the truth, I, I don't really notice it anymore. But early on, I That's think good. a lot of it was right, which is, uh, I think, uh, a good indication that you know I'm I'm very fortunate to be in a, a work environment where that that's not an issue, and I know that some of my female colleagues are not so lucky. But um, starting off, I think you know I was I guess fortunate in that I never experienced the type of you know we all saw that video where they had those female sports writers reading those awful tweets that were sent to them by men, and I've never had an experience like that. Mostly when people get mad at me, they're saying the same awful things they would say to a male media member. <laughs> so it's not personal, and I feel very very lucky. But I did get a lot of you know early on. It's you you get this sort of feeling like you're a party trick that you get a lot of people who oh you know a lot about sports for a girl and there's always that qualifier there so you you end up working that much harder to kind of shed that qualifier to, to get to the point where people sort of treat you as an equal where it's no longer an issue and they just don't think of you as anything other than whatever your job title is okay and so, so not a lot of difficulties now what drove you here what what got you to a career in you know sports and behind the, you know in, in reporting and in all of that stuff what got you to this point I took sort of a roundabout um, path to this sort of a circuitous route. I am. Um, I, I was actually an art history major in college, which actually was <laughs> more useful than you would think. And the subject matter certainly had nothing to do with it, but it was a heavily research and writing based field. So in a weird way, it did kind of help me. But I had when I moved to New York, I, I had actually come to go to graduate school uh, for that at NYU and I finished my master's there and then took this art sales job, which was just absolutely horrible. And I, I hated it. So my, I had a roommate who read something that I wrote just for fun when I was in high school. And she was like, Hey, you know, you want to moonlight, you know, do this, like submit this somewhere. And so I thought, okay, you know, why not? I have nothing to lose. I, I hate my job. So why not try it and, and send something off to, to Bleacher Report, which is sort of the, the big springboard. And I, I think it still is actually it, at it that is, time though, absolutely. it was some, Definitely. So, uh, so yeah, and I had you know gotten a very very good encouragement from them, and it's uh, my first piece uh, won some silly little contest they were having, which didn't mean much except it did give me the opportunity to get more exposure and kind of worked my way up through their system, and then eventually, of course, got a call from somebody who was looking to hire me for what I guess we would call a real job in the sports media world. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't start out sort of intending to get into this at all. It was just somebody who was really into sports and. and also did a lot of writing and kind of came together very serendipitously and uh, worked out pretty well in the end. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Uh, guys, this has been Locked On Browns, episode 139, the Draft Wednesday edition, brought to you by Draft.com. Guys, don't forget, uh, anything you want, uh, you want to go ahead and play, I've got the Locked On Browns account set up. You know, follow me on there, jump in the league, use the promo code, capital L-O-N-F-L. I appreciate you guys so much for listening. Samantha, I appreciate you so much for your time. Uh, what are you guys working on these days? Uh, well, you know, we're to the, the end of our season, which is, is largely about Sunday night football. That's primarily what we do, but we do have some web content out there as well. Obviously, you guys probably know um, GFT, so have that going on. That'll be going on, of course, all off season. Working through that, looking for some kind of bigger feature stories, stuff we'll have out there for you guys when the season ends. We're in a little bit of a lull right now because our broadcasts are finished for the year for the most part. So, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be right back there for Sunday night next fall. And in the meantime, I have some really good web content up there for everybody, NBCSports.com. That was a little strange. They didn't choose one game for Sunday night? Not one, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it's unfortunate. Um, and, you know, we got, obviously, we've had a, a couple of situations where, you know, you end up getting flexed out of something because the NFL wants to change it up. But, um, but yeah, um, we're, we're pretty much done for the year, at least in terms of our, our broadcast content. <laughs> I guess it gives everybody a little more time to get to the New Year's Eve parties, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and after the end of an NFL season like that, you, you kind of welcome the break. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Samantha, thank you so much for your time. You were great to talk with. Uh, I'm certainly going to you know, hit you up to have you back sometime soon. Uh, guys, thanks so much for the support for Locked On Browns. Uh, we will talk to everybody uh, uh, probably within the next 12, 16 hours. Uh, we'll record again. But everybody, appreciate the support. Thanks, Samantha, so much. Make sure you're following her on Twitter. Follow uh, you know me on Twitter, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow the Locked On Browns Twitter page. You guys are the absolute best. Uh, go Browns. We'll talk to you soon.